Hello friends, welcome or welcome back to The Overview Effect with James Perrin. This is my podcast where I like to get big picture, I like to talk to influential people like environmentalists or business people or in this case, not-for-profit founders. All about nature, humanity and ways in which we can positively impact the world. I'd like to start by acknowledging that this podcast is recorded on Bundjalung land and I want to pay my respects to members of the Bundjalung community and First Nations people in Australia and all around the world. So here we are. We are in mid-December. 2020 is almost finished. Can you believe it? And this is a year where we became accustomed to things like self-isolation and social distancing I mean, did you know that the Australian National Dictionary Centre's word of the year was ISO? Because we all had to experience isolation for a brief period of time. I mean, we had that with things like FaceTime calls and Netflix accounts and food delivered to our door. And even with all of those things, we still experienced the hardship. We still found out that it's really tough not to be connected to your community and the people around you and your loved ones. Can you imagine what it must be like for someone living rough all the time? Someone who feels disconnected from society on a daily basis, someone who doesn't even know where or if they're going to sleep safely that night. The fact of the matter is 116,000 people in Australia sleep homeless every night. That's one in every 200 people. And a quarter of those people are Indigenous, despite Aboriginal people making up just 3% of Australia's total population. My guest today spent the last six years of his life getting to know these people. When he was just 20, believe it or not, 20 years old, he and his best mate put a washing machine in the back of a van and set out to not only improve the sanitation and hygiene challenges faced by people experiencing homelessness, but to actually connect with them, to converse, to learn who they are and their stories and treat them just like fellow humans. Their organisation is called Orange Sky and it's now grown to have 33 vans across the country and in New Zealand, including in remote areas. And most importantly, They've engaged in almost 250,000 hours of positive conversations. In this conversation today, we talk about the importance and the, the, the prevalence of homelessness and the impacts and the depths to which it affects someone's life. We talk about the importance of being connected in the community and most importantly, we talk about what we can do to help our brothers and our sisters our friends, as Orange Sky would say, who could use our help. So here we are coming into Christmas. We're buying all this stuff for our loved ones. We're probably going to go and see family and friends and share time together and connect. But not everyone's so lucky. So this Christmas, consider giving a gift to someone who truly needs it. That could be donating to Orange Sky, who, by the way, this month have all donations matched dollar for dollar so your impact would be doubled but it could be a number of other charities or groups working to help others i mean this year more than anything we have realized how important community and connecting to others is 
I think you're really going to love this conversation. It's full of stories from the road, from Orange Sky. Uh, it's got stories all about how these two guys started this crazy journey. And it's full of optimism about how we can help and support others. So please enjoy this chat with co-founder of Orange Sky, former Young Australian of the Year, Lucas Patchett OAM. Just the spelling. It's like for news cameras, you always have to spell your name because then they cut it. But then, yes, half the time they fucking have anything. All right. Awesome. Swearing okay? Like, with yeah, man. If you want to swear. You have a little E next to you. Uh, I think there is a clean lyrics, but I'm happy yeah. to change it for this episode <laughs> if you want to go All there. Good. All good. Lucas Patchett says, fuck, I don't know, the government, whoever you're going to talk about. Maybe not the government. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. All right, let's do it. Lucas, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Mate, thank you so much for having me here in your your office space, making time. I really appreciate it. It's all good. It's, um, good, to, good to have you. I got to say, uh, we've, we've met once before. Can I ask, how old are you? 26. 26. Okay, cool. So I'm 31. I'm not young. I'm not old, right? I'm not old. I still consider myself young. But I've got to say, there have only been a couple of moments in my life where I've seen someone younger than me do amazing things and felt grossly inadequate. <laughs> the first time, I was, um, I think I was lying on my parents' couch. I would have been maybe 22 two or something and i watched phil hughes as a 20 year old come out and open the batting for australia in test match cricket and i thought what the hell am i doing and the second time was when i really learned when i met you and nick and really learned your story and i went oh my gosh at such a young age you guys have done some incredible things it's amazing do you do you kind of pinch yourself like when you come in here and you look at all the vans and the people and the office space and go wow is this real yeah, I think every day I, w- I walk in uh, into our office or talk to our donors or talk to our volunteers or being out and shift and talking to friends and um, every day I pinch myself and I have that, that moment of realisation of I think often we look at this sort of orange sky tree that's um, planted and, and grown and it's got all these branches and different people have now cared for each of these branches and it's you know grown to a significant tree. So looking at, looking at it now you kind of go, wow, that's, that's um, um, you know, it's significant. There's a lot of um, areas that it goes into a lot of people's lives that it impacts and, and touches on um, and Nick and I were the two idiots we often say are the two blokes that just had this simple idea and started it off so I think um, yeah every day I almost pinch myself in that you know we can't be in 33 spots across Australia and New Zealand operating the vans we can't be raising all that money and, and doing all the amazing work that our team does on a daily basis we can't be facilitating all that washing um, that happens with a massive team so I think we're lucky enough so lucky to have such a amazing group of people sort of behind um, supporting that. Mm. see and there you go even when i try to talk you up about your 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 achievements you pass it on to the team and humbly acknowledge the other no it's it's amazing honestly what what you guys have done is is incredible and so i'm really excited to have this chat with you today i always start so that the the name of the show is called the overview effect and it's really inspired by this experience that astronauts have they they describe it as they go up into space they have this moment where they they're off in space and they look back on our planet and they see the world at a distance and they see it as a whole and they ha- they describe this this kind of p- 
paradigm shift of seeing how the world is all interconnected. There are no national boundaries. You know, everything is one, the sacredness and the specialness. And they come back to Earth with a completely changed perspective and outlook on life. And it, for me, that's just a, such a profound concept. So I want to ask, have you had any moments or periods of time in your life where you've had an experience that has really dramatically altered the way you view the world? Yeah, I think um, throughout Orange Sky and even pre-Orange Sky, I've had had numerous experiences like that. The first one that springs to mind is as a 15-year-old um, at school, our school ran a food van that fed people who were doing it tough and, and who were homeless here in Brisbane. And, and I put my name down one week and then two weeks later got the call up and said, hey, you're out on Wednesday morning in, in the park in, in Brisbane and be at school at 5.30 and um, you've got to pack the van, you've got to get everything ready and, and head out and then all of a sudden I had this like moment of anxiety and 15-year-old Lucas going, oh, crap, like have I done the right thing? What What's going to happen? What do I have to do? I've never spoken to someone who's homeless. What other kids am I going to be rusted on with? Who's going to be this sort of looking after us? And had this like anxiety for the next like few days as I was heading into the, the morning and and um, went out on shift that morning, got to school nice and early, packed everything up, went, went there. And again, sort of as I was getting closer and closer, that anxiety kept building up for me and, and then got there and then all of a sudden it was just kind of it was just real and it was just kind of it and i think we cooked a little barbecue there's maybe eight or nine of us there you only need two or three people to cook a barbecue and the rest everyone sort of breaks out into the crowd and starts chatting chatting to people and i spoke to a young lady who was um, having troubles with with domestic and family violence at the time who'd been you know escaping a a, a toxic relationship and as a 15 year old going holy crap like a kilometer from where i go to school every day there's 40 people who are sleeping in a park or sleeping in accommodation around here and and this lady who's sharing with me her story of you know an abusive relationship and and how as a all of a sudden it was like the world's so much bigger than my little bubble and i think like yes. that that overview effect that you you touched on there and that's you know even pre-orange sky and that was a definitely a massive part of orange sky um becoming what it what it became and, and or starting up in, in the first instance probably the other other little one i had is in new zealand is we we launched into new zealand a couple of years ago and we said you know we want to trial orange Sky internationally we want to see you know how does this going to work and you know for all the similarities between australia and new zealand there are so many differences yeah. as well so you really have to take that local approach um and people said there's so many cultural differences and you need to be really cautious and really careful and really um really sensitive to to differences across across australia and new zealand and I remember the first morning we're out there's a massive long journey of getting the van and getting legal structure set up and getting funding and sending the van on a boat and you know the the boat the the, the van nearly falling off the back of the boat and, and all all these sort of trials and tribulations and then all of a sudden we're just out in shift the sun was shining and we chucked some washing on there's a guy by the name of mike he was the first load of washing he chucked his washing on jumped to the back of the van had a shower and we just had a chat and it was all of a sudden all these like rules and sensitivities and whatnot that you need to have um was all of a sudden broken down into you just treat people yeah. like people and i think yeah, that's what orange guys built on is just treating people like people and, and that um i think transcends boundaries and cultures and borders and and all those different things so yeah probably a couple that, that spring to mind for me with that overview effect is that you know how we're all just people and um it often goes beyond like just our own little bubble as well yeah totally yes and we can live in a bubble we totally can live in a bubble i i mean quite often we say the byron but byron bay you know the byron bubble is definitely a thing um but i you know i also 
went to quite a privileged private school similar to you and probably had this kind of somewhat sheltered experience um and, and it wasn't really until yeah I, I was let out into the world to see how other people live that you, you do realize yeah you got to get out of that bubble for sure absolutely yeah so you've had this you've had this experience i mean it's been six years now working with orange sky i mean working supporting homelessness and, and people that are victims of homelessness and you've seen, I guess, you've seen the impacts on a really broad scale. I think when most of us, I guess, the general public, think of homelessness, we, you know, we might picture someone sleeping in a park, and we might imagine the community centre or a food pantry or something like that. But I don't know if we, the general public, fully understand the breadth of homelessness here in Australia and, and around the world, and also the kind of depth to which it really permeates someone's life who's experiencing that. Can you help? through your what you've seen can you help kind of paint a picture of how pervasive is it and how much does it really impact someone's life absolutely and statistically you know we start starting there is 116,000 people in australia who are experiencing homelessness 41,000 over in new zealand so that's one in 200 in australia one in 100 across the ditch in new one zealand. in 200 yeah and and what that i suppose that's at a at a statistical level um and that can be everything from, like you alluded to, people sleeping in parks, people in temporary accommodation, in shelters, in squats, in cars, and, and obviously there's really difficult things to count through something like the census. Um, we've also got people in um, crisis accommodation that don't have guaranteed accommodation for a couple of past a couple of weeks, um, overcrowding in a lot of communities, in a lot of our remote Indigenous communities, a lot of overcrowding, and that, that's all um, broadly marked under that homelessness um, mm. banner, um, which is a really challenging one is that you know people often ask us like what's the silver bullet or what's the you know you've spoken to people all across australia across new zealand into the states as well and and spoken to people who are or have experienced homelessness and what's the the silver bullet and you know for us it's really there isn't one and i I think the only the only common thing with homelessness is that it's so complex and for some people it's a very short sharp journey and in and out for other people it's a ongoing sort of chronic battle for other people it's a longer period of time and then a recovery and, and then sort of never um to go back there again and mm. and the the reasons for it are so varied there's domestic and family violence there's um, substance abuse challenges there's mental health challenges there's just people who've just had a shit luck and they've just had a tough time they've lost a job they've had a bill that they can't pay they've been kicked out of their rental property for whatever reason and and they find themselves on, on the street so what we really believe is through that complexity the only way that you can work with people who have complex challenges and complex needs is actually by getting to know them is building relationships is having conversations it's um walking i suppose alongside people and and not saying hey this is wrong with you you need to go see this person you need to go do this it's actually hey how's it going and that then builds into relationships which which then puts us as volunteers as supporters of people who are doing it tough puts us in a really unique position where we can say oh you know who can help with that is X person at, yep. at Y Center, and and so for us, what Orange Sky is 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 a um, organisation that are really good connectors, and we're not counsellors, we're not social workers, we're not psychologists, we're not any of that. What we are is good listeners, good relationship builders, and good connectors. And and I think for us, that's our sort of ethos. Um, in that we can't do it alone. There's so many amazing organisations out there that are supporting people. So it's about actually linking people in to the right org at the right time so they can get support with their needs because like i said it's it's complex and, yeah. and everyone's different and they need to walk that journey um with with someone but also they need to own that that journey themselves yeah 
So it's it's that really soft entry point, you know, for people that are from all different walks of back, all different walks of life, experiencing all different things. I mean, I can imagine how someone who is experiencing homelessness is it's not just not having a home; they're also more impacted by things like a pandemic or lack of access to food or lack of access to welfare or probably you know lack of access to job opportunities right so i guess what you're saying is by by learning and understanding who they are you can help direct them to to the services that can support them the best absolutely and i think um you have heard a lot i've heard a lot from people who have been sleeping rough it's that you know when you're um one of your key focuses is actually where am i going to sleep tonight and how do i know that i'm going to be safe and Mm. and all these sorts of things how can you focus on anything else part that you look at you know, Maslow's hierarchy needs or anything like that and people having to focus and spend so much time on such a simple basic thing that all the other stuff goes out the window it's like cool where am I going to sleep how am I going to be safe tonight and then how am I going to feed myself and then I suppose once you can tick off those two things but also if that takes up 98% of your brain capacity yeah. or your physical capacity in terms of trying to find a spot or, or whatever it might be that can have a, a significant impact I suppose on all those other things that you need to, to to work through yeah and and that's and that's just like the kind of physical day-to-day kind of survival side of things let alone the the mental disconnection that you would experience right i mean this year we've had we've had lockdown we've had covid we've had all this stuff we we, we as a general public have had to experience things like self-isolation and social distancing albeit from the comfort of our homes with our netflix accounts and food delivered to our door Um, but even then you know we hear about people struggling mentally and socially disconnected but how does that play out for someone who is is sleeping rough every day and is disconnected from society every day yeah it's a a massive part and, and we often talk about people who are disconnected and i think um the rest of the world and and australian in varying degrees have had that um, experience of being socially isolated and being socially disconnected albeit in your own uh, in your own home as you mentioned but just that um, I think it really reiterated to everyone is that how important that connection is and if that's with your neighbor or with someone at work or someone who lives on the same street as you or whatever it might be um, that connection and being part of a community is so so important so I think everyone's got a bit of a taste this year of how tough that is um, for some of our friends on the street like it's definitely been an incredibly tough year um, in each of the states that we operate, um, majority of people were put into sort of temporary and short-term accommodation through hotels and motels, which is awesome to see very quickly. And um, we could get majority of people who were sleeping rough and, and doing it tough into hotels and motels. So they did have a self, safe place to, to isolate, a safe place to um, sort of keep out of, you know, the, the harm's way from the pandemic's perspective. And um, so that that was a really good initiative sort of earlier in the year, but the majority of places now that's coming to an end, um, a lot of people are back out um, to where they were and, and there's a lot of reversion back to um, some really challenging challenging times, I think, over the next little while. So, yeah, it's a, um, been good in some senses that we've seen some really good collaboration and really good people coming together to you know, move people into hotels and motels, but unfortunately that wasn't a forever solution. Yeah. But I think what it has shown us is that we can we can support that we can get people off the streets we can um ultimately that's what we what we all want is people not to be um on the streets and have that experience of the social isolation disconnection all the negative things that that go with that but i think yeah the pandemic has proven a 
interesting time perspective wise for the broader population um and i think it's been a tough time for everyone and now our friends aren't unexempt for that from either mm. yeah yeah i mean hearing you talk about how we were able to mobilize we as a society were able to mobilize and put people that don't have shelter into unused places of shelter um is a great story but do you do you I mean, thinking, I kind of often think, imagine if you're an alien or, you know, an astronaut looking back on Earth and you go, how many unused business spaces, apartment blocks, you know, hotel rooms do we have? Yet at the same time, we have X amount of people, 116,000 people every night sleeping on the street. Like, does that sometimes just frustrate you or boggle your mind that this is even a thing? Yeah, it's a it's a, a massive challenge, I think, and and I think that's part of the curiosity that's spurred from fifteen year old Lucas being out and going, how in such a awesome lucky country that we live in is there such a challenge? And that was just in my own backyard here in Brisbane, and and not getting too close to the statistics till a bit later. Um, it was yeah, initially seeing that and going, how can this be such a big big challenge? So I think what that did is it spurred a big curiosity um, for us, and and really set off the orange sky journey and the the path that it started to go on um and i think what we um what we know is that there is enough support out there there is enough um assets and and different things that we can work towards solutions we just need to be smart and be creative with with how we do that so for us it's sometimes can be frustrating or can be disheartening that you're you know feel like this is such a this is an insurmountable mountain that you can't get over and it's you know so many challenges and so many things but um, remembering our little piece of that pie and our um part in that i suppose is, is really important it helps keep us um on the right path i suppose and and, and really committed to, to working through all those challenges that you mentioned because yeah it is can be seen and, and i think lots of places have seen it as a you know can't be solved or can't be worked through but um how do we start to look at things differently and, and try thing, try different things to support people. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you guys say that your mission is to positively connect communities, right? And I love that because in no part of that mission are you talking about. Our mission is to provide, you know, X amount of support services to this many people. Your mission is to positively connect communities, um, which means that you're really addressing what, you might call the broader pandemic of disconnection, a disconnected or a fragmented society, right? So tell me what you mean by why did you land on positively connecting communities and what does that mean to you guys? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, a really good question and something that we, when we first started, you know, we sort of had this van or we had this idea for a van and we're like, okay, well, as we were building the van, we're like, oh, we'll build a website as well. So we built this dodgy website that we <laughs> sort of clipped together with um, crayons and, and whatnot and, um, and, it was like oh and i think the template was like oh you have sort of your mission and values like oh that makes sense so we nick and i sitting in nick's kitchen we're like oh what, what do we want our um our mission and values and we sort of came up with a couple and from a mission perspective we said well we're washing we're supporting people it's health it's hygiene let's go with improve hygiene standards for the homeless it's like it's pretty simple pretty straightforward that was definitely the intention was around hygiene and, and health mm-hmm. and then it was that first morning that we successfully washed clothes that we realized that this was only ever going to be the the catalyst for bringing people together is actually around that that communion that conversation that happened so myself as a volunteer that first morning spoke to a guy by the name of jordan who went to school at a similar school to me just up the road he went to university at and studied engineering the same degree at the same university that i was studying studying it out and all of a sudden i was like shit like this guy 
is me in eight or nine years. His same background, similar family story, similar work prospects, all these kind of things. He works for massive firms around Brisbane, but then he fell on some tough times, didn't have that family support network around him. And then all of a sudden he was sleeping on the streets. And, And I can remember that morning being like how this washing truck van um, brought us together and, and had such an impact on, on me. Um, but then Jordan also talked about how, you know, even just the um, ability to kind of switch off and just have a, a normal yarn with someone was uh, having a big impact on him. So almost straight away we're like, oh, well, improve hygiene standards. That'll hold us over for a little bit, but we kind of need to figure out what the next iteration is. And as we started to add a couple more vans and engage more people, it, it became more clear um, around that idea of being a catalyst for conversation and and bringing communities together and 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 how we're impacting people and, and i think you touched on it there like the loneliness and isolation is such a big challenge that transcends homelessness it, it is affecting everyone i think one in five australians at the moment um have said that, that they felt lonely in the last little while so i think it's a uh, um the one of the biggest new biggest challenges that we're seeing in our in our community so i think yeah, positively connecting community sort of spurred from that in saying, well, from a from a volunteer perspective, it has a big impact on them. From a friend perspective, it has a big impact on them. But even from a donor or supporter perspective, it has a big impact on them. We've got a supporter up in Mount Isa who gives us a dollar a week, a dollar a fortnight rather from her pension. And, mm. you know, that dollar is a small um, amount comparatively to the whole pool of, of what Orange Sky raises to, to run its vans every year. But it's a math, it's a significant one that we often talk about is that, you know, for that pensioner, um, that dollar's an opportunity for her to be a part of a community and, and for yes. her to feel connected. So I think it um, pulling it away just from focusing on friends, um, but then broader than that is how are we bringing more communities together? How are we empowering not-for-profit communities to collaborate better, to um, work smarter, to, to find better ways to support people. It's, um, I think, transcends um, just that idea of washing washing clothes. I can understand how you mean. Like, you started with this intention of washing people's clothes, but then when you hit, you put the clothes in the machine, you hit go, and you've got the better part of an hour, right? <laughs> Before you're waiting. To... And, and during that hour, that's where the magic happens, isn't it? Because these are people that, don't get people coming up to them to actively have conversations. Don't get people asking, how are you going? You know, what's happening with you? Who are you? Tell me your story. So how important is that conversation? Do you feel people over just having that that intentional conversation of wanting to get to know them and wanting to help them? Do you find that they open up and kind of, you know, their, their eyes light up and they, they kind of awaken a little bit from that I guess that being disconnected or shunned even a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think everyone's different. And um, like I said, we the big thing for us is around connecting people. It's around relationships and you can't, the building blocks of that is conversation. Like you can't mm. connect someone, you can't connect with someone, you can't um, build a relationship without some element of conversation or, or communication um, back and forth. So I think um, that for some people, it's they might come for two months before they engage and then they'll start to i suppose be integrated and start to chat more for other people it'll be first time down like i've been on shift before and you know had really tough conversation with people it's their first night or the you know first week on the streets and they're kind of trying to get a sense of where can they get support and who can they go see and Mm. and those are really heart-wrenching things to then some other people that might have been you know some of the people here in brisbane that i've known since we started six years ago who might 
have moved on from sleeping rough but might be in crisis accommodation but still that's their community that they come down and they um you know grab a feed and chuck their washing on and, and have those those friendships i think so yeah the number of stories that there's countless stories of people that after chatting to one of our volunteers have said you know i haven't chatted to someone for four or five days or wow um, and that i think reiterates like how can people in our society like not even communicate with someone for four or five days i just think that um that loneliness and, and isolation once again is just reiterated and and that's a yeah such a, a tough thing to i think comprehend but also mm-hmm. such a cool thing that we can facilitate in a lot of some other services and there's so many amazing services out there but some of them might be more focusing on food and there might be a lot of people to serve so there might not be that opportunity to connect but for us like you mentioned it takes two minutes to set up chuck it on start nothing to do and <laughs> you're not going anywhere you're closing the washing i'm not going anywhere the van's all set up here so why don't we just have a chat so that sort of mutual um mutual agreement that that um you know we're not going anywhere so let's just have a yarn and and those yarns one of the one of my favorite um in every training that we do um, volunteer training it's called orientation our, our first first training and and um i think the third or fourth slide in orientation it says you know we're all about conversation so turn to the person next to you and have a conversation and the whole room just erupts mm. in conversation and then straight after it's like they're the exact same conversations that you're going to have with people on the streets it's not like you know at the end of the day people are, we're all just people and yeah. we're all made of the same stuff we all like to chat about the footy or the weather or, or whatever it might be um and i think that sometimes those stigmas that have been built up through media or through you know stereotypes that um are perpetuated i, th- I think can be damaging to those things that's so cool to within 10 minutes of a new a potential new volunteer coming in they we can try and blow those stereotypes out and, and um yeah start those start those conversations mm. it's interesting hearing you talk about the volunteers as well because i can imagine that it's hugely a hugely significant process for them to go through too especially if someone is quite timid by the sounds like you were when you're you know 15 year old having that experience of um going out there and 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 putting yourself out there in in effort to intention to connect and support someone i can imagine that would be quite a you know a a self a a massive self-growth um, process that some of your volunteers go through too absolutely we've got i remember there's a few volunteers in melbourne that i remember when we first started um you know that sort of meeting them for the first time this is five five or so years ago and um there's one gentleman matt who lived in ballarat commuted to commuted to work sort of each um each week and he came to a training sort of on a tuesday night or something after work and um did a first shift and we sort of chatted and I'm like oh Matt you know why are you interested in being a part of Orange Guys like I've never volunteered for anything before mm. in my life and I'm yeah I'm a, I'm a dad now I've got two young girls um live in Ballarat but also it's something that I've really want to try and really want to give this a crack um and then Matt went on to become our team leader on our Friday night shift and he would you know volunteer from six till ten o'clock and then drive home to Ballarat which is an hour and a half a couple of hours back to back home and um you know sacrifice some of that time with his family to personally invest in himself in saying you know i want to volunteer and and i want to try start going on this journey and and he's still one of our volunteers you know five years on and still one of those people that i think other volunteers gravitate towards other friends really you know he's the icon on that friday night shift in in melbourne and and it um reminds me like how again one of those pinch yourself moments of like mm. there's so many cool people like matt that are volunteer as part of our own sky and 
and um, help us to to grow and build those relationships. Mm. Well, it gives someone like him a sense of purpose, right? Especially if if you're someone that maybe you do, you know, have a home and have a family and have a job, but that you can still feel disconnected from community, right? You can still feel a little bit isolated, like maybe you're not contributing to community and society. So for it gives that entry point for that volunteer to have a purpose and to it's probably something he really looks forward to every week is being able to have that sense of purpose. Absolutely. That, that's when the magic happens. Yeah. When you get those two people together. That's yeah, it's really special. It's um yeah, it blows me away. There's countless stories like Matt, there's a, another volunteer, John, who is eighty four here in Brisbane, uh-huh. who um every Thursday morning his shift starts at six fifteen. I reckon he's here checking the van at five thirty, ready to go and, and yes. really making sure that everything's spick and span and everything's ready to go. And the the thing I love about um, that shift in particular, and I'm, I'm going out tomorrow morning, is that um, John, you know, is the 84-year-old team leader. He's got a couple of uni students on his team. He's got a couple of working professionals on his team. So all of a sudden you've got 84, 18, 40, mix of genders, mix of backgrounds, mix of demographics. And um, so anyone that comes to the van can find someone to connect with, um, mm-hmm. but also to those people. Like in what world would an 18-year-old uni student be talking to an 84-year-old John um in in the community and and that um special community that that creates on a thursday morning here in brisbane and and again there's you know countless numbers of those across australia where you've got you know again walk away from shifts like that and pinch myself okay Mm. all these people believe in this crazy little idea that started up um six years ago and and want to be a part of it and want to keep perpetuating it forward and bringing it forward so yeah yeah, it's um so many cool um things like like john and, and and the team there have you ever heard um i don't I assume this is true, I heard it, but that when someone does a good deed for someone else, the receiver of that good deed gets a hit of endorphins, right? Because someone is doing something positive for them, helping them. But not only that, but the person doing the good deed gets a hit of endorphins because they're helping someone else out. But then not only that, but anyone observing a third party that observes that interaction also gets the same hit of endorphins, you know? So just by witnessing that experience those people are, are getting that that benefit and connecting to that and i can hear how all, all of a sudden through you telling the story not only are you providing a support service for someone who's sleeping rough but then there's a volunteer who's having a sense of purpose who's helping someone and then maybe you have other volunteers who can witness you know a mentor volunteer and they're learning from them and experiencing from them that's really powerful that's that is bringing community together when you started six years ago, did you ever have this kind of dream or did you ever have this vision that it would be like that? No, when we when we started six years ago, it was like, let's get this bloody van to work because it wasn't working <laughs> wasn't working to start and, and let's fund it ourselves. We don't want to worry about getting other people involved. Let's just give it a crack and let's see what happens. And, and maybe if we get a bit of interest, we might be able to replace this dodgy old Sudsy van and mm-hmm. um, replace it with a new one here in, in Brizzy and, and wanted to find a way for us and our mates to get sort of back involved in volunteering and, and that was really you know, improve the hygiene standards um, for people who are homeless and and to um, do it here in Brizzy and then all of a sudden once we had that initial start once I had that conversation with Jordan once we started to see a bit of interest and a bit of momentum from a media and social media perspective it just kind of the snowball and the momentum and the avalanche kind of just kept mm. kept going from there so I think that you touched on it there it's almost like how we've it's been really cool to almost start this movement of, of kindness and, and generosity from from volunteer perspective, from a donor perspective. A lot of our donors say, you know, um, are very private people, but they always say if it helps you to yes um, to 
encourage or um, other people inspire other people to, to give to you as well like really happy to you know put put that name out there and, and see how this happens and yeah from a yeah, that whole um, orange sky is all about the community it's about bringing communities together and from a donor perspective it's mums and dads it's school kids it's it's um, community groups it's corporates it's uh, philanthropists it's family foundations it's people who have passed and have a you know, legacy trust mm. that, that that support us it's um so that whole community but then volunteers we've got you know uni students and retirees and everyone in that and then um from a homelessness perspective it's doesn't discriminate there's all ages there's all demographics there's all backgrounds it's all um so it's all about i suppose that community and, and that the uniqueness of that community is really special mm. yeah it's an amazing story um and you know you guys have, have done such a great job from starting with just a van and the two of you i, I mean i don't even what was what was it like day one going out there were you just like okay what are we doing here we're, and and further to that do you think if it wasn't the two of you if it was just one of you you might have pulled the pin at some point and gone what are, what are we doing but but what was going through your head those first couple of days yeah we, we often say as a mixture of naivety stubbornness but also resilience and and so probably a mixture of negative and positive traits all, all sort of meddled into one is that you know we spent a couple of weekends sort of banging this van together and once we had a van we had a company that said yep we'll give you some washers and, and some dryers and we'll see how it goes and, and you guys can you know depending how it goes we'll see what see sort of what happens from there and so we spent a couple of weekends getting the van to, together we didn't actually have a way to test it because it had a special powerpoint on it so we needed to get this generator so we went down rented a generator and and um like well now it's now it all technically should work so let's just hit the streets and let's do it so <laughs> went straight from the higher place to um to the park and the park that our old school food van used to operate operate their van so we thought what better place to start mm. all these people we'd met prior were there we at least we knew the school and we'll just kind of crack on and and see what happens and and um yeah that first morning set everything up jordan was there that, that first morning and and we loaded jordan's um belongings up into the washing machine and went bang oh, like how i don't don't know why this happened anyway convinced this company to give us two more washing machines <laughs> went back the next morning exact same thing set everything up jordan again loaded up bang like i think at that moment it was again twofold in saying and you question around would we have stopped I'd, maybe um i think we do spur each other on nick and i in a good and a bad way sometimes so yeah. it's probably a combination again of both of those are saying well are we banging ahead against a brick wall or have we given this the, sh- the right shot and so we just made a few modifications to the van and um convinced that company to give us two more washing machines and <laughs> and um hit the streets again the next morning and then it all worked yeah. and it was all of a sudden that aha moment that conversation with jordan the washing was on the interest was there and i think one of the key things was that jordan actually was there each morning and he was ready willing to yeah. sort of be there and, and be the um the guinea pig or the um the person that, that sort of went first and and um that reiterated to us that the need or the desire for that um for that tangible service but then also the conversation that sort of followed i think um as a result of that was was really cool so mm. yeah i think from a would we have stopped i don't think so because i think we've got enough for that stubbornness and <laughs> naivety and resilience all, all rolled into one um to keep to keep cracking on but also we definitely um push each other forward in in different ways nick and i are so different in lots mm. of ways but also so similar in other ways in that we um, both had similar experience at school with our food van and loved helping people and um, really love 
finding ways like tangible ways to support people but then on the other side we're, we're so different in lots of ways as well so yeah i think it's um a cool a cool journey and a cool ride to be on with your best mate as well and, and how you can um, reflect back and say again look at this tree that's grown and go how do we get here yeah how cool is this um and how cool is it to do do it with your best mate as well totally you're not the first co-founder that i've spoken to that says naivety was crucial and it's like if you knew what you're getting you if you knew what you were getting yourself into perhaps you wouldn't have started i don't know about you guys but some but it seems like naivety is crucial in some of these big leaps i, I think it's i think it's part of it. i think you know nick and i part of the sort of reason for kicking it off at the time that we did is that i'd just been overseas i'd sort of spent eight months overseas came back had no job no uni uni wasn't starting back yet i was 20 and and um really just wanting something like keen to sink my teeth into something nick was working full-time and he this is an idea that we'd actually spoken about a couple of years beforehand and it just sat in a notebook and didn't really mm. do much and, and I, the second morning i was back from overseas and nick said oh, i've been sort of thinking about this this thing again i was like mate let's let's do it i got heaps of time let's crack on and and let's see what see what happens and that um i think that's a mixture of that naivety it's also um often reflect on like timing and, and how that that stuff works and, and but yeah i think um the other thing not having a family or mortgage that you know we could take a leap of faith i wasn't I was getting paid zero at the time so getting <laughs> um going into something that wasn't going to pay me anything was was a easy decision and um could still work flexibly and do uni and yeah. part-time stuff and um I suppose manage and, and balance all that because of something I was super passionate about yep. k- kicking forward. So yeah, I think naivety is um, n- naivety and and again resilience can almost be used interchangeably. I think sometimes, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think it's definitely part of that startup as well. Yeah, I want to ask you a bit more about I guess homelessness in general from a societal point of view. I mean, you've um, you, you've had six years of working in this space, supporting people affected by homelessness, directing them to services and support they need. That's kind of the, the I guess you could say the relief side of things. But surely your mind has pondered over the years on the cause. You know, why, for something that shouldn't exist, really, why does it? You know, why, what do you think are the causes? And what do you think as from a societal, from a big picture perspective, what do you think we need to do all the steps we need to take to try to prevent it in the first place yeah i think it's um it's a really good question i think from a causal perspective i think like i said before it's so complex and there's so many reasons that people get into um, situations that they're in it might be financial hardship it might be through mental health challenges it might be through domestic and family violence and unfortunately um i think there's a long way to go in lots of those spaces and mm. unfortunately what that means sometimes is that people fall off the bottom and that they um fall into into homelessness and that the average time that someone spends homeless in australia at the moment is seven years so if we can make that seven years shorter if we can make it slightly more bearable if we can you know support people through that i think that's one step in the right direction um obviously access to housing is a massive part and massive challenge access to affordable housing for for people is a huge challenge but also there's lots of studies and and research into the fact that um putting a roof over someone's head is great but also it's actually about those support services and support networks that are around because people still need to be a part of a community and they still need to have um, access to to mates and friends and mm. and their community as, as a part of it so just sometimes putting a roof over someone's head or giving someone a job isn't isn't the the be all and end all so i think it's a um 
combination of, of, of lots of factors. Again, probably when, when people do fall off the cliff, it's how do we um, support people from falling off the cliff. Um, unfortunately, some of those are the, I think, the biggest challenges in our society at the moment that we're making big inroads in, but but also um, have a long way to go, I think. So yeah, it's probably how do we do that all as holistically as one and, and support, yeah, again, people at the, the top of the cliff and people at the, the bottom. And again, that, that seven years and how do we make that shorter and, and more um, tolerable I think is a is a big challenge out there yeah yeah we have to embrace the gray area on some of these things it's not as reductionistic of saying this is the cause and this is the way forward right what's uh what's next for you guys for orange sky I mean it's more of a, it's been a crazy year right so I imagine just stabilizing and getting back on track but surely you, you're still looking at expanding you're looking at other countries you're looking at other services yeah, it's, uh, I suppose the, this 2020 has been a, a wild year for everyone and, and we're not exempt from that. Um, so from an operational perspective, um, in March, we pressed pause on all of our shifts um, across Australia and New Zealand and that was probably the hardest decision we've ever had to make from a, from a team perspective is that we went from 1,000 shifts a month to, to zero. Wow. Um, and then, But then what that was is we weren't just going to say, oh, well, although... Um, as we were operating, we couldn't continue under advice and from volunteer perspective and, and whatnot. Um, but then we had to reimagine exactly what that could look like and how we could operate. So a few days later, we launched a new type of shift and then we started rolling that out across the old shift old shift locations. Unfortunately, it's not as simple as switching it on and switching it off. It's about re-engaging volunteers. A lot of service providers are still closed that we partner with, mm. um, aren't operating. Um, lots of people have changed their operational model so it's, I suppose, really tailoring our approach for each area that we operate in. So we're at about 65% of our pre-COVID levels operationally and, and that curve is steepening um, now into the end of the year. So we hopefully will be back on track by um, before Christmas, um, which will be a really good spot because what that's doing is then setting the foundation for us to keep growing is that we know that you know we've already got 33 assets out there. We can um, make those assets go further. We can go to more locations. We can engage more volunteers. We can support more people and that's the beauty about being on on four wheels is that we can you know really branch out into to lots of different communities and and um, support more and more people so i suppose once we stabilize and once we get to a really good spot you know over the next five years we want to triple our impact we want to do it more efficiently by sweating those assets um, further by bringing more volunteers into the fold um, and alongside that from a financial perspective finding how do we um, continue to be more resilient and have more sustainable revenue streams and, and not be always fully reliant on from a donations perspective um, and then from a product offering perspective we we know that you know where um, where orange sky has got a history and it's in our dna around how we innovate and how we um, keep finding new ways to support people if that was the initial idea if that was then changing to uh, adding showers if that was combination vans if that was some of our work in remote indigenous communities we've got a software um, tool that we now sell to other not-for-profits that helps them manage their volunteers and manage their impact because it was a tool that we built for ourselves Mm. but then realized it had such a um, use use in the market so um, we acknowledge that that innovation is going to continue to be a big part of our future as well so how do we harness that bring that into the orange sky help us help let that help us achieve our five-year goals of ultimately we want to triple our impact and, and help 40,000 people by, by 2025. So wow. um, if, if that's in different markets, if that's just here in Australia and New Zealand, we're, we're really open to exploring that and embracing the grey, as you say. Mm. Um, but ultimately it's, it's about how we, how we do that um, under those, those guidelines. Yeah. 
You know that so- that software platform. I'm sure you've reflected on this, but your 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 statement of positively connect communities. It fits beautifully into that because you're positively connecting your volunteers to activate and mobilize them. And so the fact that you've inno- you've developed your own in-house system to be able to do that with your communities, and now you can be- that can benefit other not-for-profits that have volunteers. That that fits beautifully under that banner. Yeah, it's it's funny. You can <laughs> I think you can make a lot of things fit posit- under positively <laughs> connecting communities, which is a good good and a bad thing depending depending who you ask and and when. But yeah, I think the software mm. makes sense. Is that we built it it was such a critical tool for us expand expanding and now it's actually a case of saying well how do we bring this to as many not-for-profits as possible because ultimately the better volunteers are safe and rostered and the better impacts measured and reported back to donors or stakeholders or whoever it might be um the, the better the sector gets as a, mm, as a whole so totally. um i think that we have been lucky in that we've come in we're not a charity that's been around for 100 years when we don't have you know reams and reams of paper documents and and um history of, of how we've done things it's really said well how do we do this better and mm. how do we improve and how do we be ultra transparent on our data you can jump on our website at any time and see how many loads of washing are in a van or if the van's active or if it's not um or how many loads have happened full-time or how many volunteers are ro- uh, actively rostered on a on a weekly basis in in a specific location and that sort of ultra transparency that we're really pushing i think is something that doesn't exist in the not-for-profit sector or exists only in small small parts of it and we want to keep finding ways to really trailblaze that and, and um, get people onto that same level amazing amazing i love it um one last question i want to ask you is i mean and, and this podcast is actually going to be released probably just in the lead up to christmas um the, the natural timing of it so what can people do on an individual level through either supporting Orange Sky and your services, but then also, I guess, in a broader sense, to positively connect communities. And if people are, in the lead-up to Christmas, thinking about maybe being in a bit more of a giving or charitable mood, what would you say? Yeah, I, th- I think um, from an Orange Sky perspective, um, there's heaps of ways for people to get involved. People can um, sign up to volunteer on our website. Like I said, we're building more and more shifts all across Australia. So there's likely a van um, near you, and, and hopefully, if not, there'll be there be one soon if there's one needed. Um, so people can jump on our website, orangeguide.org.au, sign up to be a volunteer. You don't need to be a washing expert, just a couple of hours every fortnight um, to come down, sit down, have a chat, and really connect with your your community. Obviously, um, as well, the the donations heading into Christmas, it's a um, really um, challenging time for a lot of our friends. So we really want to make sure that we're here for this Christmas and, and for these holidays and for many holidays to come as well. So um, we're, um, we have a, a match giving campaign. So people, um, donation dollars will be doubled um, by one of our amazing supporters in the background. So I encourage people to do that from a broader, I think, homelessness perspective. Um, sometimes, like we talk about, just that acknowledging someone and looking someone in the eye and saying g'day mate not ignoring someone when you walk past them on your way to work you don't necessarily need to stop and have a massive chat or stop and say g'day but just saying g'day and and acknowledging someone as opposed to having your blinkers on and and really um that i think is a something that we that a lot of people can struggle with is is do i ignore do i engage what's what's sort of the, the protocol our approach is always to you know acknowledge say good day look someone in the eye and i think treat someone like a human human mm. being is is um all the advice that is weird advice to give but mm. um seemingly is is needed i think sometimes with people really struggle with with what to do lucas i i just want to th- say thank you so much not only for your time but also for what you guys are doing it's a beautiful story and um it's just from such a positive intention uh, i just want to say thank you and congratulations to what you guys have done thanks for having me 
No worries, man. Pleasure. Cheers. Awesome. How good? How was that? Amazing. Thank you. Hopefully it was okay.